0: Welcome to Showcasing a Member. And this week with the Toowoomba Chamber, we have actually the Chamber President, Harrison Humphreys. So welcome, Harrison.
1: Thank you, Todd. Pleasure.
0: So Harrison, you know, these are are pretty informal type chats and we really want to get to know you. We want to get to know, you know, a bit about your life. Um, I'm sure it's interesting. We want to know about uh, what you do here in Toowoomba and particularly the Chamber. So does it sound all okay to you? Are you happy? Absolutely fine. Okay, so start a bit. So tell us about your h- history with Toowoomba.
1: History with Toowoomba, okay. So I moved here from Moree in northern New South Wales in 2001 because I uh, came to uh, secondary school here in Toowoomba at Toowoomba Grammar School. I started there as a boarder in year eight and uh, and then my parents and brother moved up here during the school holidays between 2001 and 2002 and so from 2002 in year nine i was a day boy finished there in 2005 and got a job at a local law firm the next year i think i finished school in november 2005 i was behind a desk by january 9 2006 and i've been here ever since and loved it
0: obviously you didn't go straight behind the desk. During your schooling and obviously your education to become a lawyer, you worked in a number of uh, other small business type operations. Can you
1: tell the listeners what types of um, work you did? Sure. So my first paid job was for a, a good mate of mine. His family owned a temporary fencing business and they still do actually, but they've, they've sort of broadened into concrete reinforcing steel since then. But anyway, on a Sunday in year nine I think it was we rocked up at this shed and and we started attaching fencing mesh to fencing panels for a few hours and uh, pretty mind-numbing work but paid work all the same it was pretty exciting to get the first paycheck. Double rates on a Sunday didn't didn't feel like it <laughs> Look any cash that I earned myself was uh, gratefully received. So uh, I did that oh, off and on during school holidays, um, throughout school. And then after I left, I thought, well, i better try and get a job straight away because I'd been sort of freeloading off my parents for long enough, or so I was told. So I, I put a few resumes in and a few bottle shops and bars and pubs around town and scored an interview with The Spotted Cow the Spotted Cow, famous Toowoomba establishment, and Matt Curry. I, I remember Matt Curry interviewing me, and he said, "Now, Harrison, wouldn't you prefer to be on the other side of the bar?" And and I said, so "Nothing's changed." <laughs> <laughs> no comment. And I agreed with him, but not too readily. I thought, or so it seemed. And I, I got a job there as a glassie, and then. Work my way up behind the bar, pouring beers and poured a lot of rum and cokes, uh, particularly on Australia Day and various other big days they had there at the cow. I worked there for about a year on weekends. There's some big days, so I'd I'd sort of work all week and then I'd play cricket on a Saturday and then I'd rock up there to start at about 7 o'clock on a Saturday night and go through till about three a.m. or three thirty. And uh, I can tell you there's a few lovely 3.30am club sandwiches from the Mobile uh, on the Range overlooking the, <laughs> uh, the view down into the valley. Uh, I remember some of those mornings quite well. <laughs> Being absolutely buggered. And sober. And very sober.
0: Um, now, um, the spotted cow's about to reopen. Yes. Uh, it's currently being painted now. Fingers crossed we'll have it as one of our after-party venues for the Business Excellence Awards of 22. Maybe uh, when it reopens we can sit and have a uh, rum and coke, if you like, and you can tell me some other stories off-air. I would like to probably uh, delve into, if I can, on another time. But you t- spoke about your sporting history in part, or well, you alluded to it, particularly cricket. And I just before we get into cricket, I mean, it was really a um, miss of me to not to mention that you were school captain or grammar right? To my grandma. Yeah. Uh, so what
1: was that experience like? What, what, what did it teach you? It was unbelievable, actually, in terms of the preparation for future life. Um, so juggling, you know, your academic and sporting commitments as well as, I guess, public in- engagements or speaking engagements uh, as a school captain really honed time management skills and organization and uh, basically having your diary and just knowing what was happening when and preparing for each uh, engagement and making sure that you know you're on time and or at least you know ready to go for uh, <laughs> for for each thing, but uh, yeah, look, it was... That wasn't a dig at me, by the way, for being 15 minutes late for today's session. Not today. No, I, uh, no I'm I'm, um, I'm, known for being habitually late, so <laughs> that was a dig at myself. Uh, no, look, yeah, so it was great practice, and I think really set me up well for juggling lots of things at once in, in future life. So what did it teach you about leadership? I think it, it, I'd already, I think, learnt through my time at Grammar that... Leadership is about uh, having the time of day for anyone who wants it, Um, whether that be a a teacher, headmaster, one of the other prefects, boys of your own cohort, but even more importantly, that little, small, shy, year eight boy who just wants, you know, to have a chat. So I guess that could be summarised as everyone matters. And, yeah, just make the time of day for everybody because, you know, It doesn't cost you much apart from time.
0: I'll just touch on two words there. You talk about everybody matters. And you obviously, is that how you got into law? Is that what led you down that path? A general feeling of uh,
1: I guess that's part of it. Yeah, I guess that's part of it. Um, So law started in around, when I was in year 11 in, in 2004, I was talking about you know, what I was going to do after school with my modern history teacher of, of all people. And he's like, well, what are, what are you going to do? And I'd, I'd already had a brief conversation with my PE teacher the year before, and I was quite keen on being a PE teacher. And, and he said to me, oh, you know, you should probably aim a bit higher. And I thought, oh, that's flattering, but I thought being a PE teacher was pretty high anyway. Uh, my mum's a teacher, so uh, she's probably offended by the modern history teacher saying... <laughs> I am a bit higher, but he said, have you considered law? And and I said, oh, no, not really. And he said, well, go and talk to the careers guy and, and see what he thinks. And, and lo and behold, I, I did. And the reason he suggested to go and speak with him was because there were these programs offered by a few firms in town where they took school leavers, basically. And in those days, it was called Articles of Clerkship. So you did five years working in a firm whilst you studied law and at the end of it that practical training together with your, your studies at uni uh, meant you could just become a lawyer. What they didn't tell me was that the law changed in between year 12 and my first year out such that I was the first year that articles of clerkship were abandoned. So in terms of qualification there was no advantage to working in a law firm for five years before I was um, before I finished my uni degree and got admitted as a lawyer. I still had to do a graduate diploma of legal practice after I'd graduated with my law degree. But anyway, look, there was plenty of other advantages. The biggest one was experience, that practical experience in my job you can't beat. And I think it put me ahead of a lot of my peers who were going through it at the same time uh, at the end of my degree. Um, but coming back to your question about why I, I ultimately chose to go down that path... I think I the, the part I still enjoy the most about my job is making sure that my clients know where they stand, what their rights are, and then helping them enforce those, no matter whether they are you know the little small business micro operator, sole trader uh, or some of the biggest co- companies in the country. The rights are still the same and often enough you enforce them in similar ways. So that's I guess comes back to everybody matters. So this is the great thing about having these chats. So you get to learn
0: about and you get to understand there's some alignment. So I was going to be a PE teacher too, and I got talked out of being a PE teacher. So I'm assuming then that sport played a big role in your life and probably still does.
1: Yeah, not as much uh, anymore, but that's probably only a, a, a recent thing. It played a massive role in my life from about age five through until just the last two or three years. So I started playing. Cricket was the main one, but I started playing cricket when I was... Soccer was the first sport I played, but cricket soon followed. I played soccer until I was about to the end of primary school. Played golf, tennis. Swimming was a big thing when I was in Moray. I used to train sort of five, six times a week. And then played rugby union towards the end of primary school and then all through high school and uh, and track and field. Athletics was a big thing for me in in high school. Uh, But then since school... We're really just cricket, but I sort of threw myself in there and was heavily involved with um, University Cricket Club here in town from when I left school through until, yeah, about two or three years ago. You know, I was on the, the committee and, and then I ended up doing a couple of years on the Toowoomba Cricket Board, um, and I'm still the um, commissioner of the Toowoomba Cricket Judiciary. That would be an interesting job. Get a, get a few uh, interesting reports made and, from the umpires about player behaviour consult the code of conduct and, uh, <laughs> yeah, meter, meter out the penalty and punishment. Like right off a of lawyer's alley. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I got asked him. That <laughs> um,
0: it was so, you know, well, obviously sports play a big role in your life. As you know, uh, the Chamber just released uh, its latest journal, which was purely on the contribution of sport to people's way of life but also to small business. Do you see those synergies in, in your experience in playing sport?
1: Absolutely. So I think the biggest synergy is the opportunities for local businesses to sponsor sport and often enough it's the businesses of uh, the players within the various sporting codes and the teams who say, look, no, you know, not only will I donate my time because I love it, love playing the sport, but I'll actually donate some of my money or uh, my business's money to helping support the local clubs, uh, which keeps them afloat and keeps providing the opportunities for Particularly the youth to then you know uh, keep playing the sport they love and uh, into adulthood. I, I've emceed a couple of university end of season awards nights, and one message that I often tried to get in there was the the mental, m- emotional, and psychological benefit of sport, particularly to men. It's a it's a community and it's a safe space where you can I guess raise problems or it's an outlet where. You can just get away from whatever else is bothering you in life, at least for, well, in cricket's case, most of a day. (laughs) But there's nothing better. I think part of the most enjoyable times that I had playing cricket were often waiting to bat or having batted and sitting around there talking with the rest of your team. Uh, And then, of course, back to the the local sponsoring watering hole after games and, and, yeah, that sort of camaraderie and mateship can't be beaten.
0: Yeah, I mean, particularly in a a world of 2020, which is different to many other years, I mean, that camaraderie, that ability to be healthy, look after one's mental health is critical. Hi, hey Alex, did you know that tickets for the Focus HR Business Excellence Awards are now on sale?
1: I did, so I'm going to put on my best dress and see Toowoomba there on the 12th of December at the Empire Theatre to celebrate and acknowledge our award winners for 2020. Tickets include an evening of entertainment, a keynote speaker, a drink on arrival and fabulous food.
0: So if you want to know more, go to www.tumachamber.com.au and book your ticket now. See you there let's just on that sort of small business focus or moving into the small business focus you've worked in the hospitality industry you've worked in the construction industry uh, which we're looking at potential implications of infrastructure pipeline moving forward you're in professional services now so you've got three core industries all impacted differently in 2020 so what do you see for small business you know if you're looking at those different interest sectors, what do you see as the key challenges or opportunities?
1: Uh, So moving forward uh, from now, I mean, I think the first thing is to identify that Queensland has managed the pandemic particularly well, not only compared to the rest of Australia, but uh, especially the rest of the world. You know, our our rates here have been very low and that has helped confidence in consumers, which in turn helps businesses where consumers spend. And I think that's only going to increase, uh, but my main concern is the drop-off of government stimulus. I think if that is not properly managed, and what I mean by that is uh, faded out rather than um, completely cut off in one foul swoop, I can see a lot of people out there hurting. It'll start with uh, employees who are no longer receiving $1,500 a fortnight uh, or a bit less from from, uh, Monday, which may not be extended at all beyond end of March 2021. There's a lot of talk in the insolvency accounting space of a cliff coming where there will be a mass uh, amount of liquidations, administrations, receiverships, which will put so much so that they expect there won't be enough liquidators, registered liquidators and bankruptcy trustees in Australia to deal with the number. Now, that sounds foreboding, but I think if government at all three levels can fade out as opposed to cut off assistance and relief, that will help manage that scenario. It's about, for me, consumer confidence. If we can keep that at a reasonable level, people will keep spending and that will in turn help support businesses who uh, are otherwise might be struggling and looking at some sort of insolvency might just help keep the doors open and look there's there's schemes being considered and and likely to be brought in by the government to help small businesses in particular who have debts less than one million dollars in total to save them from going into some sort of um, external control i think if that's properly managed, then we can we can see through that difficult period as the stimulus and the the uh, comes off. Uh, and but by say mid next year or perhaps the end of next year, we might see a return to normal trading. Particularly if um, interest rates stay low and lending criteria is becomes easy to get money. As I understand it now, banks are a little cautious, and that's not only due to COVID. That's due to the royal commission that happened. 2019. If money becomes easier to get and interest rates stay low, that will quicken the pace towards normal trading conditions. Do you think, um, Harrison, regardless of colour of our political leaders, we know it's been
0: challenging for them, do you think they've done enough?
1: Uh, I think that they have uh, spent, particularly at the federal, lesser extent state level, but certainly at a federal level, they've spent enough. Uh, Perhaps even time will tell, but perhaps too much. (laughs) But that's where the money is in Australia, so I, I guess... And that's what's worked in the past. So I don't think that anyone should blame them for the approaches they took. It was done in, in haste and uh, a lot of money was, was shelled out and that and seems to have worked uh, so far. So it's hard to be critical, certainly at a federal level. Uh, I think the states have done just enough. Again, hard to be critical in the circumstances. Uh, I think local government probably could have done more. But again, they are... Uh, hesitant i think when to be seen to be opening the coffers as i understand it when the federal government state government are uh, throwing so much money around but you know they haven't done nothing uh, but there could have been some some more uh spend because as i understand it coronavirus was the rainy day that you know you you um you prepare for so um
0: moving to the chamber current president so can you tell the listeners, you know, why did you get involved with the Chamber initially? How long you have been involved? What do you think? What's it like to be in the Chamber? You know, why people should become involved in the Chamber? So, and you've been now President for 12 months, I think. So uh, give us a bit of the history of the Chamber and why you love it. I'd be glad to.
1: <laughs> uh, one of my favourite topics. I'm all for easy questions. <laughs> so... Uh, in 2016, Joy Mingay was the president and she approached our firm and said, look, I want to appoint a skills-based director with legal with, from a legal background. And I put up my hand and said, yep, I'd be interested in being on the, the board of the chamber. Um, and I'm so glad that I did. The, the best thing in those early days was coming together as a board and lifting the chamber out of uh, what was, at the time, difficult financial circumstances. So there was some fairly close management required in those days, but that was quite rewarding to make a difference to an organisation like that and bring it to where it is today. So that's been one thing I've enjoyed. And so I I started as a board member, and then I think I spent some time as as secretary and, and vice president as vice, I was lucky enough to go to uh, China and Japan on a, a Toowoomba Regional Council delegation uh, in my role as, as vice president of the chamber and met a lot of chambers in both China and Japan, uh, the various places we visited, and what worked over there from um, economies and, and local businesses, so that was interesting and informative. And then, uh, yeah, in October last year, middle of last year actually Joy approached me and and said look I'm not going to stand again for, for president and I, I think you should and it wasn't uh, wonderful timing as those things rarely are. Uh, I had a, my first child on the way and I was up to my eyeballs in work here at, at the firm uh, at the time but uh, what one thing I have learnt in life is uh, opportunities like that don't come uh, knocking all that often. So when a door opens, you should, if you can, if it's absolutely, if it's in any way possible, you should walk through it. And uh, one thing a, a mate of mine said to me once was, "You should try to be, uh, where possible, a yes man or a yes person." I'd call it an enabler. Yeah, well, that's probably <laughs> more technical. Um, in any event, I became president, as you said, about a year ago, and and have relished it. I guess leading the organisation that I'd spent some time in, in bringing up to the standard that I thought it could be, and, and now from that base taking it to the next level was uh, my assurance to members at the speech I gave at my first AGM as president. So hopefully we're, we're doing that, or we've, we've added quite a number of new staff to, uh, to our ranks, which is great, which should enable us to provide even better services to our members or more services to our members and, and our sponsors Why should a business join the Chamber? Look, it is a community within a community, and I hope that it is welcoming. And if nothing else, if you come along to our events, uh, you will meet new people who, whether they can be suppliers or customers or referrers, it will be of some benefit down the track, if not immediately, to your business. And if nothing else, it, it is a community with a community, so uh, our events are enjoyable. You know, you might you might just make a new friend, which is not to be understated.
0: Uh, well, I've made plenty of friends uh, since I started going to chamber events. And I do like that A little analogy is a community within a community. Um, so what do you see the future for the chamber?
1: future of the chamber, okay. No pressure. <laughs> well, well, hopefully our, our current CEO <laughs> will stuff. stay on for a bit longer because... We seem to be kicking a few goals uh, with him at the, at the helm. But, I, I, yeah, I see probably with, with increased workforce, we can pro- just in- increase the number of uh, events we can do whilst at the same time uh, advocating strongly to all three levels of government and also providing uh, professional development and, and training opportunities. I think in the past, with a limited workforce, we were beholden to running you know, as many events as possible because uh, that gave us a presence and a profile, kept us front of mind to members, potential members and sponsors, uh, whilst also uh, generating income for the chamber. But that was at the expense of uh, advocacy and potentially training opportunities. And I think all three pillars are what our members want, and particularly the feedback I've received whilst on the board uh, advocacy. So if we can be more efficient in our event delivery and uh, development and skills training opportunities while still providing a good level of those and then um, having our advocacy front, of, front and centre so that our members' interests are voiced to all three levels of government, that would be a, a great legacy to, to leave. So um,
0: in your day-to-day job, you know, you give a lot of advice, yeah, to clients, customers, whatever whatever you call them. So if you had to give some
1: final advice in today's podcast to business. Well, a couple of reporters asked me this more a short-term basis recently. And I, I said, look, that was when a second wave was on the cards. And I thought, well, it would be such a great idea to be out there spending right now if a second wave was coming, particularly for hospitality and retail. I understand it. Shut down costs and reopening costs are a massive impost on their businesses, and they were going to be the most affected, especially and those in the travel industry or events. Whereas my advice now, I think, is is get out there and trade as much as you can. I, I think, as I say, keep an eye on government stimulus and assistance and grants Buy for as much as, uh, of that as you can, and manage your your cash flow and. Your trading and your expenditure on you know employees and carefully but without being scrooge uh, I, I think probably a tendency out there for businesses to be a bit cautious when it comes to to spending but uh, now is the time particularly with marketing and business development to get ahead of the curve because you know when normal trading conditions start resume hopefully you know mid to late next year they don't want to be starting then
0: all right, Harrison, so invest in your people, invest in your future. Some
1: very key and important
0: words. Any last comment before we uh, say goodbye for today?
1: My only other thing I wanted to add is to thank uh, our one of our media partners, SJA Media Services, for facilitating our podcast and other uh, media services they provide us at the Chamber.
0: Thank you, Harrison, and we'll talk again soon.